Hey, welcome to FQ, where we talk about faith, family, and friends. I'm Jacob. And I'm George. And welcome to this week's podcast. Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Um, It is August the 5th, uh, and this week it's me, George, and Daniel Stevenson. So I'll let him talk. Go ahead, Dan. Hi, um, I'm Daniel Stevenson, and I got invited to this podcast to discuss some uh, doctrinal issues as as well as some other things. Um, But the main focus on this is I guess doctrinal error, I suppose. Um, yep. <laughs> not really that, but false doctrine too. But anyways, I'm I'm a pastor up in uh, Calumet, Michigan, Harvest Church of the Keweenaw. Um, they told me to say some things about myself. So we have a Facebook page called Harvest Church of the Keweenaw and a website called harvestchurchofthekeweenaw.org. Uh, pretty simple. Um, but, yeah, it's just a little information about us. Um, I was called up here. Over three years ago to take over a previous pastor's church and, you know, kind of learn the ministry uh, trial by fire, baptism by fire, and been going ever since, uh, seeing God's faithfulness as well as his a great need for his hand. And so being in prayer and even fasting and crying out for his move and understanding of the word, and it's it's been both a, an awesome experience and a sobering experience at the same time. And so it's, you know, it's good to be here to share what I've learned and the issues that I see. Hopefully other Christians see this as well uh, with false doctrine and other things that are coming against the church besides, you know, the political issues that have come against it as well. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of the political issues, um, one thing we've been asking uh, fellow preachers, you know, that come on, how has this affected your church? You know, the pandemic, the COVID nineteen um, in Michigan. I know that the 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 politics are pretty heavy there as far as <laughs> shutting things down. Um, how has it affected your church? Well, I'll say this first is that Lower Michigan, Denver, and all that is quite different from the upper or the top of the UP that I'm at. And um, it has affected our church. And there's some churches that have shut down around the area. I know a lot of churches around the United States have shut down because of it. And in fact, uh, when I shut down the church, I was in between, like, should I open the church? And I was just in prayer because I see some people opening it and fighting it. And, I, and I'm, I'm hearing what they're saying, you know, that we shouldn't shut down the church and stay open. And I like that. But then I hear from my own people at, um, at the church, like, well, you know, you should close it and just, you know, let's pray and see what God wants. And so I shut it down for a couple of weeks and I was praying and I was cleaning some chairs in the sanctuary and just like, God, you know, what the heck's going on here? Is it, is this going to get worse? Is what's going to happen? Um, and really taking me to Isaiah 30. And from what Dave Wilkerson, prof- or really not prophesied, but preached in 1968, was an awesome message about what was coming. He says God is going to, not that God sent the virus, but he said God is going to shut down the churches for two to three months. And churches that do not preach repentance or a gospel that I'm, or the word that I'm telling them to will not open again. And wow. it took it from, yeah, took it from Isaiah chapter 30 
And you need to read that chapter because it talks about how he like will take a rod and smash like a pot um, those who aren't staying, basically following him. And then after these judgments have come, he will restore uh, his face to his church, and it will be seven times brighter, or the revelation that the people are getting from the Word of God will be seven times uh, brighter, which is, Isaiah thirty twenty six. Moreover, the light of the moon shall be the light of the sun, and the light of the sun shall be sevenfold as the light of the seven days. And the days that the Lord bindeth up the breach of his people and healeth the stroke of their wound. And before hearing Pastor Dave Wilkerson preach on that, I was kind of figuring it was talking about during or even after the millennial. And I think it's really talking about this time is you get a lot of, churches that are just in it for numbers you get a lot of churches that are just in it for uh money or other things and i think honestly during this time he's causing us to get back to our knees and seek the face of god and get back into prayer and get away from man's way of building a church and i see i see like the goal remember when daniel uh, Nebuchadnezzar's grandson, Belshazzar, if I pronounce that right, uh, he was only king for one night, yeah. and he had taken he had taken the gold out of the sanctuary that was meant for the Lord and used it in his party, and then he saw the handwriting on the wall, and that's when basically right. the Bible says he he browned his pants basically. <laughs> he was <Yeah>. so scared, <laughs> and. Uh, Honestly, I think when we compromise instead of listening to the Lord, it, you know, plans are fine. Uh, strategy is fine. Um, having a, you know, a pattern is fine. But when we use these things without seeking God, and it's like, okay, I can just download sermons off the Internet, and I don't need to pray. Yep. I don't need to seek God. When we do that, it's like we're taking the gold and silver out of the church and replacing them with pots of clay. That's man's way. Yeah. Psalms 127, I believe it's verse 1, that says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. And when the Lord does build the house, there's his presence. And where his presence is, is the anointing, and the anointing breaks the yoke. You get the Luke chapter 4, anointing of Jesus, which he said, that I am anointed. That's what Jesus said, to preach the gospel, but to heal the blind eyes, to set people free. Mm-hmm. You get that anointing in the church that liberates people. And it doesn't become about, uh, you know, celebrity preachers. It co- becomes about people seeking God's face and learning who he is. And then they start coming to church for Jesus and not some person. And I believe that is what God is bringing the church back to. I, I definitely think you're right there. You're on, definitely on the right path with that. And I've heard that said with so many like churches that want to minister to the millennials and mm-hmm. the millennials that have everything they could imagine at their fingertips. They don't want right. what like my generation, you know, generation X grew up with the make a church like a rock concert, you know, right. the experiential right. going to, you know, the, the camps where, you had the lights and the show and the great band and, you know, that was all great things. And many people, you know, that I know did come to Christ through that way. But then I think right. 
like my age of of people now, I'm I'm 47, and a lot of those people that I grew up with that got saved through that are trying to replicate that because of the experience that they had. Right. You know, and you go into so right. many church churches nowadays, and you see the lights, and you know, you go and you can look from church to church, and it's like. Man, they their sets are all very similar, and then right. it's like, okay, what is the word that they're preaching though? Okay, I see what their mm. kind of bait is, but where's the hook? You know, what are they mm-hmm. really discipling? And and what the millennials are saying is that's not what we want. We would go to a stripped down, nothing church as long as they're preaching the word and preaching the truth. That's what we want to hear. You know, it was. Yeah. Uh, there was, a, I think it was a Gallup poll done several years back. They've probably done another one since then. But at the time, a pastor, if he was reading his Bible for five minutes, a, it was five minutes a day. It might have been even as little as five minutes a week. But um, hmm. let's just, for for sake of, five minutes uh, a day. we'll say five minutes a day. If they were doing five minutes a day, they were doing more than anyone in their congregation. And, it, and I, I don't know, I, I think we're doing, you know, pastors are doing disservice to people um, not telling them to read their Bibles. Yeah, you want people to come to church, but that's to worship in community. Yeah. That's, that's not, yeah. you know, you need to study the Bible. You need to know when you're going to church that your pastor is saying what's right. Because are you just yeah. going to follow what your pastor says and never crack open the Bible? In fact, you're following, right. yeah. Then you're just following man. You're not following, right. you know. You're not following the Holy Spirit. You're not following the Word of God. You're not, you know. Um, you're just you're just following a man, and that's right. not going to lead you. That's not going to get you anywhere. Right, and God has been very merciful in me in learning how to do that. There's times I've preached my own thing, and it was okay. When I asked the Lord, I said, you know, this the service felt different. What was the deal? And he's like, you preached what you wanted, not what I wanted. And he's like, I blessed it as much as I could. I was like, oh. Oh, sorry. <laughs> you no, you could you could hear me. You can hear me, but <laughs> nobody can hear me on the, <laughs> the podcast. It's not recorded that way. So I was muted, but oh. you can hear me still. <laughs> You're did, good. Did everything sorry. I said go through? No, you did. I was checking my mic. Sorry. Oh, geez. Okay. Um, <laughs> Threw you off my bed. <laughs> okay, so we don't have to start over? No. No. Nope, okay. Not at all. Right. And so, anyways, the Lord would correct me on that. And then how I would know exactly what the Lord would want was I would be in the place of prayer, not just not just study, which is good, but you need prayer and study. And I would be sensitive to His Spirit. And sometimes it'd only be one verse. It'd be like First John two twenty, or like lately it's been First John two twenty and two twenty seven about the anointing of teaching you to abide in Him. What are the, the anointing what are, which you receive? What are those scriptures? Huh? I'm assuming that you. John two. Okay. Yes. First um, John is one of my favorite books. Uh, anyways, First John one chapter. First John chapter two verse twenty talks about the unction, but the unction which you have received of him abideth in you. And yeah, but the unction you have received from the Holy One, and you know all things, or all things that pertain to God, or all things that are from him. 
First John two twenty seven says, But the anointing which you have received of him abideth in you, and you need not that any man teach you, but as the same anointing teaches you of all things, and is truth, and is no lie, and even as it has taught you, you shall abide or make your home or your dwelling place in him. So the anointing teaches you to get in the word, to get in Jesus, to abide in him. It's also your protection. The word of God is your protection from deception. As you, uh, and I was stuck on these two verses. And it's like the Lord's like, just stay on these two verses. And I would read, I read them like six times, and then God would give me more. And then I read them again, and God would give me more. And I was talking about the, basically, the anointing, verse 27, but the anointing. Remember what Jesus said in John chapter 14 and chapter 16 when he's talking about the Holy Spirit, yeah. how he leads us into all truth? But the anointing which you received of him abideth in you, and you don't need any man to teach you. It doesn't mean that we don't go to church to, to not be taught. That means if I'm teaching something that, that God approves of and the anointing's on it, there's going to be a confirmation in your spirit that this mm -hmm. is of God. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, it's also— Yes, Jake? Go ahead. I'll, I'll, I'll chime in a little bit. Go ahead. Okay. Um, I know I talk real fast. No, you're um, good. I like it. Okay. But the anointing or the Holy Spirit will also teach people where they're at. So each person is getting taught by him. And that's why we need the presence of God. It's because if we just take a few feel-good verses, yep. because the Word of God is a sword. It doesn't always feel good. Right. You know, Hebrews Very chapter true. four, it doesn't, all, doesn't always feel good. He, God tries the reins of your heart. He tests the reins of your heart. And if there's something that he doesn't like, he's like, hey, you're in Christ, but I'm also in you. So you, you remember, we made a covenant together. Everything that I have belongs to you, but everything of you belongs to me. I want this gone. Yeah. I want the sword to pierce you right here. I don't like what I don't like this part that's in you. I want it to be removed, and it could be why it's like a surgeon blade. His cut it may hurt, but it's like a healing cut that removes cancer from us. Yeah, and that is that is what we need. Every heart needs that operation done on it, and that's what the anointing does. Yeah. And it definitely hurts Sorry. when you get slapped with the Bible in the face, <laughs> physically yeah. and or spiritually. But when you're reading First uh, John two twenty seven, I have a, mm -hmm. a different version than you. But it like it like you said. I I mean it kind of kicks you in the face in a in a good positive way of like Jesus. Mm -hmm. When like I don't know. I guess in my head, like when the words jump off the Bible and they're like, "Look at me, this is it." Um, so my I have the NIV version and it says, and for you the anointing you receive from him remains in you, and you do not need anyone to teach you, but as his anointing teaches you about all things, and as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as mm -hmm. it has taught you remains in him. And I'm like, mm -hmm. I guess the counterfeit part just like jumped out in in my like I was like, oh gosh, mm -hmm. because. Even what we've been talking about, what me and you have been reaching out to our, our other friend and stuff like that. And so, um, yeah, I just know that like me and George were talking about truth last week. And, and that's why I was like, wow, that, that verse as all dang, I miss that verse. <laughs> so, I, I love how you brought that verse up and how you were talking about 
when you're in your church and you're cleaning off the chairs and and just like God, what's going on here? Do I close mm-hmm. this or do I open it back up? And just waiting on His Holy Spirit, leaving leaving room for the Holy Spirit to speak to you into yeah. what you're supposed to do for your community. And that, you know, yeah. I, I think there's too many um, of these uh, of these churches that want to put up a bunch of different satellites and not that, not that there's anything wrong with the satellite, but is that satellite going to say the same thing in where we're at in Erta, Utah, as it would be saying in, in Las Vegas, Nevada, it shouldn't be. And the reason I, and the reason I believe it shouldn't be is because you should be speaking to the needs of the community. And those are going to be two very different communities that you're speaking to and you know God's word will not return void, but we still need to to reach the people where they're at, and that sounds to me like that's what you're doing. This is what God told me to do for my church. I'm not going to listen necessarily to what the government's doing or what other churches are doing. I need to do right. what it what God wants me to do for my church, for my congregation, for my community. And that's to follow his Holy Spirit and open it back up and do some real discipleship and real teaching, which is mm-hmm. so sorely needed, especially yeah. now, you yeah. know. Yes. So and, I really that, appreciate that, you, you being sensitive to the Holy Spirit with that. Amen. And, and that's not always easy to do uh, because our emotions are always screaming and the opinions of other people that seem good are always there. And we have to get in that quiet place, that secret place, because what we can we can throw the word of God and use it to defend anything we do. And it, but is that how God wanted you to use the word? The word yeah. of God is a sword. You can't just flail it around like like you're untrained. The Holy Spirit has a way of teaching you how to use that with technique and with precision, and not just being general but specific. You may have to attack your enemy or reach people's heart in a very trained specific way Mm -hmm. and that is listening to the lord being trained yes being trained in the word uh but you can't just copy and paste things and like we were saying uh matthew 4 4 is this is an awesome revelation the lord gave me probably the first year i was in this church but he answered and said it is written man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that word in the greek means rhema and I first understood that word to be the spoken word of God. We have logos, which is the written word, and rhema, which is the spoken. But when you say rhema is the spoken word, that's a very simple de- definition. Really, you could explain it that it is the communicated spoken word between you and God. And that is man shall not live not just by the logos, but the communicated spoken word between you and God. And that takes you even getting on your knees and be like, what, God, what do I do? What, what, what is, what's the answer here? And that's how I felt during this COVID-19 is like, what is the answer here? I can't mm-hmm. look to my left and get an answer. I can't look to my right. You have literally made it where I have to look at you if I'm going to hear from you. And, and from that, I appreciate not that, you know, the death of this virus is going yeah. Or the the politics taking this to the utmost extreme, which is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but that I have, I'm in a place now where he's, he's saying my people are going to hear me or if they're going to do their own thing, but I'm making it, if you're going to be a church, if you're going to be able to reach your community now, you have to hear from me. Yeah. And, and that's so important. Um, it made me think when we were talking about the um, false preachings and stuff like that and false teaching, false doctrine, it made me think of Matthew twenty four twenty four, where it says, for mm-hmm. false messiahs and false prophets will rise up and yeah. perform great, mir- great miraculous signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, mm-hmm. even God's chosen ones. See, I have warned you. And so not, not that we're seeing great miracles happen, but we are definitely seeing people preach false gospels, false prophets coming up. Um, yeah. And that's happening because we're not being sensitive to the Holy Spirit and being in the Word. Yeah. You, need to, you need to do both. You can't just go, well, I'm just led by the Holy Spirit and never open your Bible. That's, <laughs> you yeah. know, that's not right. where we're at. Now, you think about Jesus was and is the living word, but he he was the word made flesh, according to John chapter one. He was the word made flesh and he dwelt among us. And then verse 14 says uh, through 17 talks about how uh, we beheld his glory. And then verse 17, I believe it says the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So all the word. All the logos was put into one body. That's why he had the Holy Spirit without measure, because he had an assignment and a job to do. It was all the words, so you got all the Holy Spirit put into one person. But he waited on the Father, and when he acted according to the leading of the Father, that logos walked and reigned the power. It was, it was a spoken word, and, and he told us, you know, even before res, uh, raising Lazarus from the dead, and she, Martha was like, hey, come, you know, raise, raise my brother from the dead. Please raise him from the dead. So I, I can't. I can't walk out and do my own thing or, um, or I'm going to walk out in the night. I, I'm, I'm led of the Father here. So he waited four days and then went. And then he, then he prayed that resurrection prayer. And you get in a society like today, it's everything has to be on demand. Oh, you want to reach the most people. You got to do this, 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 and this. You got to brag about your church. You got to you got to do all these things and advertising. And I'm not against advertising. I'm not against telling people about my church. But I'm not going to pro- promote the name of my church. I'm going to pro- promote the name of Christ. Yeah, right. And that has to be a reflection from my relationship with Him. And I'm not here to market. I, and that's the last thing I want to do is is turn my church into a business. I want it to be a place for people come in. They sense the holiness and the presence and the love of God. And, and from that place, you know, I've had comments from several of the older ladies that this feels like home to me. It feels like, like this is a holy place. And it's not, you know, because I'm so holy. It's because God is teaching me how to wait on him. And that's not always easy, especially when, you know, worship, hey, let's play our three songs and then just jump right in. Sometimes God's like, no, don't do anything. Just sit still. Everyone yeah. sit still. Don't do anything. I'm sitting there for 10 minutes and all of a sudden the anointing drops or I'm sitting there for 15 minutes and you're like, should I say something? I got my mic in my hand. Should I say something? <laughs> then, then a word of knowledge comes or, or a tongue and interpretation and it, and it leads into the message and it's just like God orchestrated the thing. And so it's, 
it's a humbling experience when you wait on the Lord. He always puts you in the place like, hey, this is this is my church. These are my people. You have to be led of me. You have to wait on me. But you also have to study, too. I don't know how else to explain it. It is both a, a work and a rest at the same time. I want to come to your church. <laughs> I mean, like that's that's the kind of church that I, I grew up in, and I didn't it, and I didn't understand it at the time. I was very skeptical skeptical of the uh, uh, you know of speaking in tongues and then or a word of knowledge or tongues and interpretation and you know yeah. I I wasn't I wasn't following the Holy Spirit at the time. So I was and I was pretty skeptical of it. Until the Lord really filled me with His Holy Spirit, and I spoke in tongues, and you know, was actually asking for that. But that had to come on when I was ready to receive yeah. that from the Lord. It couldn't come in anybody else's time, and right. th- just that's awesome. It's so refreshing for me to hear that you say, "Hey, I'll if the Lord tells me to wait ten, fifteen minutes, whatever it is." just to be silent and to wait on the Holy Spirit, then that's what I'm going to do. I'm not just mm-hmm. going to follow my agenda. Um, and I think that's right. where we get caught up, you know. Well, people will com- complain to pastors, your your service was too long. You waited on God too long. You know, I want to hear my three worship songs. You give me a message, and I'm out the door. And if you don't do right. it that way, I'm not going to give you my tithe. You know, like there's people that actually do that. I've heard, you know, from too many pastors that have had that happen. I'm like, well, what do you do? And usually, though, well, I got to do what God's going to tell me to do. And if I lose that tithe, so what? God's going to bring in somebody else that's going to be obedient to the Holy Spirit, you know. Amen. Amen. And Go ahead, Dan. Yeah, go ahead. I I was just going to add more to it, but go ahead. Oh. No, but even while you guys were talking, I went to First John one eight, and it says, "If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our yeah. sins, He is the faithful and just, and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim mm-hmm. we have not sinned, we make Him out to be a liar, and His word is now or, or is not in us." and I think that is one of the things that is bothering me about the whole situation with our friend, and we've talked about it. And just because I love him and care about him, I'm like... I don't want to call him out necessarily, specifically him, but the yeah. whole gospel revolution movement or whatever, yeah. the, the, you know, yeah. I don't know if it's a movement or they call it a ministry or what they call it, but it's garbage. Um, and I, I'm not, and I'm not afraid to say that because they're not <laughs> preaching the word. They can't, you know, if they're saying that when when Christ said it is finished, they're doing, you know, and that's it. You know, we don't have anything else. Where is the hope in your gospel revolution? I'm not hearing the hope. I'm not hearing the redemptive work of Christ on the cross. I'm not hearing. The, that he was Christ was raised from the dead, which you know that goes hand in hand. We can't have just the crucifixion. If we only have the crucifixion and in Christ, and it was, and he said it was finished there, which I believe he was when he said it was finished. He meant his earthly work was done there, not not his heavenly work was not done there. But 
um, we're we're doing away with we're doing you're doing away with the Holy Spirit essentially. Yeah. If you say that was it, and then and then you're also saying that Satan won because he killed Christ. Because if you don't have that resurrection, you don't have the completion of the gospel. Well, and here's from my own time with speaking to our, our friend. Um, here's what they believe. They believe a difference between redemption and salvation. So basically what they believe is that when Jesus died for one, he died for all. And immediately all the world was forgiven of their sins, whether you believe or not. It doesn't matter. You're, everyone's going to heaven. The difference with uh, salvation experience is that you recognize what Jesus has done in you, and then you get the benefit from being in Christ. And so it's a, like I said, it's a masterfully deceived deception. And as you were saying earlier before we started recording, Jake, you know, you, you private messaging him, you you could have sex with anyone's wife, yeah. and they could be cool with it. There's no there's mo- no morality. Only if you want to, basically, and you, the- you should do these things. And the thing was that you can do whatever you want to do, and it is like a choice. So they could be, Mm. hey, we are exclusive, just me and my wife right now, but if I don't want to be exclusive, that's also fine because there's no sin. And if if you, like you said, if you don't have the crucifixion, Jesus come back to life and all that, there is nothing morally to hold you there. And I think the difference between us and them is that they have a hope and a false hope that, Hey, you're, you're just good and you don't have to do anything. There's nothing you have to do. You're just good. You can live a life that's impure and it's fine because that's just man versus man sinning. But then there's, you can't even say that because there's no sin in that there's laws, but then that becomes a civil issue instead of a spiritual issue. And so even in that, I'm like, um, you still don't have a moral reason to do anything right. And right. that is not what Jesus preached at all. He wasn't like, hey, yeah, you know, uh, what I told George, I was like, literally, if that was the case, I am 100% sure Jesus would have told the other thief or murderer that was next to him on the cross, he would have went to the one and been like, hey, uh, you're going to be with me in paradise. And the guy that's cussing him out and yelling at him, Hey, you know what? Even knowing you don't like me and all that stuff, you're going to heaven too. So you're good, man. Right. Cause I was like, he would have said right. it then. There's no, there's right. no doubt in my mind that he would have given him a free pass. If that was, that was a hundred percent what he was doing. Hey man, you get a free pass today. Right. Exactly. And it's like, God just winks at these things. And the, I was telling a few of, our friends uh, that disagreed with him, some of our friends from Rama, I said, you guys need to study First John. First John is the best book, or well, not, I don't know, the best, but one of the best books to protect yourself from deception, from false teaching. Yeah. Um, and just reading First John chapter 2, was looking at this, verse 18, First John two eighteen, Little children, it is the last time, as you have heard, that Antichrist shall come. Even now there are many antichrists, whereby we know that it is the last time. They went out from us, but they were not of us. For if they had been uh, of us, they would have no doubt continued with us. But they went out that they might be manifested, that they were not all of us. So it's 
one of the ways to tell a false doctrine is it's all focused towards you and yeah. not the Lord. And that's basically what this gospel revolution is when you get right down to it, because it circles around. It doesn't lead to the straight and narrow. It doesn't lead to the truth. It's just one big loop yeah. leading you like, like the people in, in, in the de- desert, and uh, they couldn't they couldn't go out because they had no faith. And Moses was, God kept them in the loop until they would learn faith. You don't require faith with the gospel revolution. They actually say that. It says, no, yeah. it doesn't require your faith. So it's just one big circle of sin and deception, but it's all about self. You do whatever you want to do. You know, and you just study Christ because you want to study Christ, not because you need to know him. It's if you want to do these things. And so when it comes down to it, it's about you. It really is. And because Christ is in everybody, and that's the scriptures were written to believers. It was written, it writes about unbelievers, but it's written to believers. And it's written to those who already are in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Yeah. But they don't even believe that. It says, well, we believe it says in the Greek that all are already in Christ. How do you get that? <laughs> yeah. And even with, with that, um, so they go to Romans 5 is their, like, key, <laughs> their key thing. But I... <laughs> I beg to differ because as all if if your theology like I don't know if you have seen me say that but as all your theology says uh, it is finished it is done so you can't use Romans because that's not a part of what you're you're teaching or telling people is at uh, it is finished it is done because you say Revelations doesn't matter and or right. Hebrews or First and Second Chronicles Corinthians. Colossians, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Any of that doesn't But Romans matter. is okay. <laughs> but Romans is okay. That's why I was like, you, how are you going to use Romans 5? And I read Romans 5 because he's like, oh, that's what you need to do. But I, I could see 100% if I was somebody who didn't know like and didn't feel like how God changed my life for certain things in, in different areas – how you could totally get lost in that and be like, oh, you know, it does say I'm redeemed. And if I take right. this out of... So out of it, if you go right right at the beginning, you know, you're saying you don't have to have faith, right? Yeah. But right at the beginning of Romans 5, uh, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith. Right. It yeah. says that right there, by faith. Yeah. We have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ, our Lord, has done for us. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of highest privilege where we now stand, and we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. That's all by faith. Right. So yeah. if you don't have to, you know, if you don't have to have faith, they're using <laughs> Romans five. Then now they're going to have to. Th- I, I think we just debunked that. They're going to have to throw Romans five out of their Bible. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, right, and here's the here's their argument. And I'm not trying to defend them, but these are all the questions I've asked them too. Is that oh, it's it's the faith of the Son of God, not your faith? I say no, no, no. There's two: the faith of the Son of God. We were and we we were given a portion, an impartation of faith when we heard the gospel, so we could believe. But it was still our choice. Once we believe, you read Second Peter chapter one. He tells you to grow your faith. So you have the faith of the Son of God in you, teaching you your faith, but you have to have your faith. And 
that's what Satan was after with Peter. That's why Jesus prayed for him. He says, you know, Simon, Peter has, or excuse me, Simon, Satan has wished to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith fail not. And when you are converted, uh, then he'll, what, he restored him. And so if Simon's faith failed, he would have been like Judas. He probably would have killed himself. He probably would have just given up. Yeah. And it was his faith that claimed, that held him together. And so, no, it is our faith, and it is the Son of God's faith, and it is our spirit, and it is the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is in our spirit, teaching our spirit, what we just read in First John 2, 27, yeah. teaching you to abide in him. And so you have God helping you, but he is growing your faith as you spend time with him. And He and the Holy Spirit is teaching your spirit. It's not just all him. Yeah. And And so further on into the gospel revolution is that we're in heaven right now and so right. yeah. to push the the, the limits further head heaven is filled with pandemic and riots and murders and yeah. pedophiles so to push it further i was like it yeah, doesn't make any that's sense and so i actually like one of the messages i wrote was if this is heaven why is everything wrong uh how can we know things are wrong because here, here's examples of right of rights are available for comparison, like the right things to compare to. Why murder? Why rape? If if this is heaven, uh, what is suicide? In fact, if this is heaven, I understand why suicide would be appealing. I'd be ready to leave myself. Right. Uh, <laughs> this is not heaven. The belief doesn't uh, correspond to object reality, objective reality. Right. Sorry. If heaven is a place where everything is broken and everyone is full of sin, then his then this heaven of yours is actually hell. But they don't, Good point. They don't yeah. believe in hell. It's because you're living <laughs> in it. I don't, I don't know what to say. You, I guess if your your butt's not really on fire, you don't really know. It just it, it seems to me with what they're doing, all they're doing is getting people to follow them because they want to. They're hearing what their itching ears want to want them to tell them, and mm-hmm. and they're just gonna they're just skipping joyfully into the lake of fire. My question is, <laughs> like, that's that's how, like, this, that's what you're actually leading these people to. You're leading yes. them away from the redemptive work of Christ because, yes. you know, Satan is a liar. And you're, by taking away the redemptive work of Christ, you're following Satan. He's deceived yep. you so much, and you're willing to take others along with you. Right. will be the man and, who does that. Right. Yeah. And I think one thing, I don't know if you know, Dan, would you know, how do they get money? Because when I listened to their podcast, that was like one of the like most outlandish things that they said Christians do is uh, we are, <laughs> what was it? Oh, we're crazy wild uh, Baptists. On crack. That was their quote. Was we're, that's what Pentecostals are. Pentecostals are. Is crazy Baptists yeah. on crack. And I was like, okay. And then they keep going and saying these things, and they're like, 
yeah, healing. That's a joke. Right. And well, you know what? Stuff. In, in a way, they like if we followed their gospel revolution, we could be crazy Baptists on crack, like literally on crack, because it would be okay. It wouldn't be a sin. We wouldn't be doing damage to our body. It would be okay to be on crack. <laughs> yeah, technically. But if we're going to go with their theology, so you could you could go ahead and, and sleep with, with their wives, from what he said, and while so, on crack. Yeah. Sorry. So, so with that, for some reason, you're sounding weird, Dan. Uh, kind of. It sounds like you're in a tin can. I might have had an internet drop here. Wi-Fi drop. Is that any better? No. No, not at all. Jeez. All right, hold on. I don't want to get off the data. It's going to turn it off. Uh, I don't know. Let's see. I wonder if I turn the video off. Maybe. We're we're on right I mean, now. We're live, but we're, we're recording. But are we actually live? No, no. We're not. Okay. Um, All right, we're back. <laughs> Sorry about that. Difficult, technical. I can't speak. <laughs> technical difficulties. Yeah. So <laughs> well, we uh, fixed it. So what we're talking about, um, even with that whole whole thing, is that they were saying that and then making fun of tithe. And saying that's stupid, like you shouldn't give tithe, and that they're like Christians are the craziest about it. Um, there's definitely other religions that I know of that I'm close to and stuff like that that I talk to, and I'm like, they definitely have a way, like they know how much you make, <laughs> know how yeah. much you need to give and stuff, and so I'm like, that's kind of way more out there. But I'm like, either way, I'm like they. I don't know. Like, do you know how they even get funded? That's my question. Like, how? No, I don't. Know. I don't know how they get funded, and I wouldn't be surprised if, if they had some form of donations, which is another. I guess you could call that their tithe. They um, have a membership fee. That's what I was yeah. wondering. No, I really wondered if there was a membership fee. Well, yeah, the cool. Like, but <laughs> that's the thing is they're getting ever since then, ever since. Um, our friend joined up with them. He's been getting more and more carnal and carnality can't understand the mind of the spirit. And he would have never said these things years ago when I knew him. And one of their themes on their website is I believe it's like Christ without Christianity or the gospel without Christianity. I was like, you're just removing the anointing. You're just removing anything that has anything to do with the Lord. They're, they're literally becoming enemies of Christianity. And yeah, I, I see the same thing um, happening in the world today. Is we're getting ready. Everything's becoming a precursor uh, for the Antichrist to take stage. The we you know we have um, <laughs> we have so many religious things that are that are not of God happening. We have the politics happening on one side, and then we have false religion on another side. And we're going to get to the place that I believe those who are truly following the Lord and not swayed by these things, we're going to be a remnant in the earth. Just I believe we're getting very close to the time of the rapture now. I know no man knows the day or the hour, but 
look at our condition of our nation now. Do you really think everything's going to go back to normal? I don't. No. Yeah. Unfortunately. No, I, I don't see it getting any better. Right. I'm not going to call it the new normal, though. No. <laughs> no. I'm just going to call it this is messed up. Right. And I think this is what God is uh, people who have prophesied have, have seen in the have seen in by the spirit of God. Um, and so this is a place again, where God is just having us be in prayer and be, be ready. And I've had more discipleship time with people just in my neighborhood and just one-on-one training. In fact, you grow the most when you're in house churches. Most of the churches in the new Testament were house churches besides the seven churches that are mentioned in, in revelation. The idea was that they had many house churches, right? And it was it was for the focus of discipleship. And I'm not against churches at all. I have my own church, but what needs to return is you read in Ephesians chapter four is that the saints are ministering to one another when they're perfected by by a pastor or by one of the fivefold or all of the fivefold. Then they minister to one another. They build each other up. They disciple one another. And right now, God is calling his people out to the forefront and says, you can't be passive. There's no longer time to be passive. Yeah. And I if think— If you're going to be passive, then— To, to be honest, yeah. the, the other night me and you talked, um, I I don't—I I probably didn't <laughs> do it as much for you, but you definitely encouraged me a whole heck of a lot because I was like, man, that's so good. Like, our conversation was really good. We talked about Jesus. We talked about God. We talked about all that stuff. And I think that's that's something you don't get unless you are fellowshipping with somebody that is in the word and that loves Jesus and wants to spread the gospel the right way. And uh, I was talking to a different friend, and he said, it's like this. Um, if, if you cared about somebody and loved somebody and you had the cure to their cancer, why would you not tell mm-hmm. them that? Right. And that's right. what he was like. That's what... That's what Jesus is, is a cure to their cancer. And when you don't, he, he was even saying like, it's a cancer of sin and stuff like that. But he is saying like, with, with the gospel revolution, there is no cure. It just, you just are. And like, there's no cure that you can't choose because then you're, you're literally saying, Hey God, like, yes, you're God, but now you control everything and you're not giving me free will, which you have specifically talked about multiple times in the Bible about free will. You have the choice. It is you that has to live by faith and choose to follow me and pick up your own cross and follow me and, and all this stuff. And like they're taking that and just throwing it away and being like, Hey, you're good. Go ahead and sleep with the camel. If you want, that doesn't matter. And I think that's what, that's what's driving me nuts because I'm like, I don't know. I've never been so I'm fiery. I, I know you, <laughs> we were in the light crew together and stuff. And I was, mm-hmm. I was semi quiet then. Cause you guys had been there a while. You knew a lot more than, than me and Andrew. And you still know more, probably more than me, but I, I guess I lived a different life where I've been on the streets as a police officer and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. we have different experiences. So that helps build who we mm-hmm. are. But I think what's, what's tough is like, when we see one of our friends, I saw multiple people jumping in and like, what do you, Hey man, 
I still love you, but I don't know what the crap you're talking about. Like, yeah. <laughs> it mean, like, if you really want to talk, but it it definitely seems like there there's no conversation that really wants to happen unless it's like you are going to hear me only. And then when you decide to talk, it's going to be me probably ignoring you. Right. And that's the point I, I text him or not text him. I messaged him. Um, and I was like, I don't know what else to say right now than what I've already said. I'm going to take a break. Um, because right now I feel like I'm just going to be counterproductive. It's like, you're just going in circles. Yeah. Honestly, it's like there's a spirit of error here and I'm, I was heated in my flesh. I was also hurt. And I couldn't, as we said earlier, uh, I couldn't go on without, I felt like I would say something I shouldn't say. So I just stopped. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, you had said that, um, he's seems to be coming more carnal. And, yeah. you know, and they want to call it the gospel revolution. I don't know how long they've been around, but I was just, uh, I looked this up, um, Romans 1, 21. I, I just um, feel like God brought this up, but it, um, starting at 21, it, Romans 1, 21, it says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like. The result yeah. was that their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they became utter fools instead. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people or birds and animals and snakes. Um, right. So God let them go ahead and do whatever shameful things their hearts desired. As a result, they did vile and, and degrading things with each other's bodies. Instead of believing that they... Uh, believing what they knew was the truth about God, they deliberately chose to believe lies. So they worshiped the things that God made, but not the Creator Himself, who is to be who is to be praised forever. Amen. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against their natural way to have sex instead, and instead and indulged in sex with each other and the men, instead of having normal sexual relationships with women burned with lust for each other, men did shameful yeah. things with other men. And as a result suffered within themselves, the penalty they so richly deserved when they, hmm. when they refused to acknowledge God, he abandoned them to their evil minds and let them do things that should never be done. So, right. You know, and they're like, they're not saying that they abandon God, but by their actions, they, to me, they, they have. Yeah. You know yeah. them by their fruit. Yeah. Right. And, and that is the ultimate telltale sign. Um, it's not always easy to see which is false doctrine, which is true, but if you just wait, you'll see the fruit of it. Um, and that is, that's dividing the word of God accurately. Romans four, 12, the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. Um, they Romans chapter 1 is really talking about the sinner, and eventually they keep, the, they keep rejecting the pull of God on their heart. But when you get disconnected from the tree, according to John 15, and you're no longer abiding in the vine, then a carnal Christian 
is just like a sinner. They're living the life of a sinner. And eventually, that the branch doesn't die immediately when it's cut off. It takes some time for it to wilt. Eventually, yeah. you'll, be, you'll, you'll be worse than you off before you were a sinner, that you get to that place where you're just in that condition again. And then what did Jesus say? If the, you know, if the branch wilts, it's good for nothing but to be burned. Yep. Right, just like the, in Romans it says that, you know, they, their thinking became dark and confused. You know, that's... Yeah. yeah. And when even, you're talking in circles, because you can't really answer a definitive question, hmm. you're, that, that's just confusion. Yeah, because I, right. I definitely ask pretty straightforward questions that if you asked it in the reverse, I'd have the answers that the Bible says. And so that's why I was like, how... Why aren't you answering this? Because you go, as I saw, I think it was with you or maybe Joe, who was like, what is repentance or something? And I was mm-hmm. like, come on, man. You know <laughs> you know what that means. Um, I think one, one thing that the other guy I talked to about things, uh, one thing he said that, like, really was awesome and, like, really brought out even more of me, like, researching and looking more into the Bible about certain things is uh he said, we are not saved because we are sinless. Rather, we are saved despite our sin. And I think their, their thing yeah. is like, nope, we're, <laughs> we're good. And, um, and I was, we're just talking, me and him, and he was like, well, Scripture always interprets, interprets Scripture. And mm-hmm. so it should not be me interpreting Scripture and taking it out and throwing it right, and being like, this is what I got. Because, I mean... There's plenty of times you could go to like songs of Solomon and there's a lot. Yeah. (laughs) There's a lot there. If you just take it and throw it and it might stick like a, a cooked noodle to the wall, but it doesn't mean it's, it's right. Right. Well, I love how the, the word of God is timeless. I mean, it was inspired by the spirit of God and I love how God, used men who had issues, men who had weaknesses, and you see the weaknesses in the Word of God of those people, yet God still used them. There's the grace part. Yep. There's the unmerited favor part. Yeah. And there's there's the part where I can enter in because I got my own issues. I got my own weaknesses. I got my own doubts. Yep. And yet the gift of God that's in me and the grace of God, that's how it's going to be done is through His strength. But we read almost a smack dab in the middle of the Bible, Psalms 119, the first 10 verses, and it says, Wherewith shall a young man cleanse his ways by taking heed thereunto according to thy word? That is the protection of our life. And so the word of God is a lamp to my feet and a light unto my path. If I'm not abiding in the word, meaning I'm living it, this is my life now, not just something I visit after I go have all the fornication and drugs and and whatever carnal pleasures I want, and, and occasionally high five Jesus on the way, uh, you know, <laughs> into my house. So thanks Jesus, you know, for for letting me go to heaven. No, it there's we live in a the world. High five to of the crack darkness. house, <laughs> right? <laughs> high five to the crack house, and, and just standing at the door you know, knocking. <laughs> Right, and if you want to kill a crack cooker so you can take all the money and crack, that's okay because Jesus will high five you again for that. That's basically <laughs> the way out. Going down yeah, Grand Theft Auto. <laughs> yeah, and Christianity. So we live in a world of right. We live in a world of darkness. The only light 
is that of the Lord. He is the light of the world. Everything yeah. else, everything sure. else is darkness. And, and like, yeah, I I think I think one of the things that really like helped me was our conversation, talking to my friend, talking to George, and talking these things through. Because, like I said, if you did take Romans five and took it by their thought process and stuff like that. You could be deceived mm-hmm. pretty easy. And I, I was like, yeah. I read it and I was all, you know, if I just read this quickly, like skimmed it over, you could miss that hole by faith mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Just by, oh gosh, I'm good. I'm, I, you know what? Well, Today yeah. I'm going to go kill someone and it's going to be okay because there's no, no repercussions right. or anything like that. And I was, so I was talking about, earlier about like hey you could just there's no there's no moral reasons nothing like that and um so i was just asking those questions and then um one of the things he told me was like oh by the way all your biblical heroes of faith uh like slept around and did all sorts of things and i was like i thought he was talking about like kenneth Hagin and stuff and i go not it's like <laughs> Not as all they're not really my heroes. I was like, I do have favorite pastors that I really like to listen to and stuff, but I was like, as all I to be honest, the only hero I have is Jesus because he's he's the ultimate hero, right? And so I was like, as all so that doesn't make any sense. And I was like, what do you mean? I was like, I, I like a couple pastors, but you don't know who I like. <laughs> so, um, he went down to say Hebrews 11 faith heroes. Like Abraham, um, yeah. Jacob, Moses, Esau, Solomon. And I just kind of was like, well, I don't know. I was like, God didn't smite them down when they did it. It was a different time. It was well, a different thing you and I was all and they well, totally knew they broke rules. Because, and they all suffered right. consequences yeah. <laughs> for their sin and they all repented. Right. You know, they like they did like Abraham slept with the you know, his his servant and uh and then they had Ishmael, and he suffered the consequences for that, you know, not following God's mm-hmm. plan. Because God promised. Right. So, right. you know, God let that happen, you know, okay, you're a moron, do it your own way. <laughs> yeah. And and still blessed Ishmael and his line, because God said, you know, yeah, your dad screwed up, basically, and I'm still going to bless you, but that, it, you know... And we still have wars between the families and and uh, of Isaac and Ishmael today. Mm. You know, like that. I, I, if we traced it back, I, I really think that that really could be like the 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 Muslims and the Jews. You know, the yeah. Ishmael's line. <laughs> yeah. You know, they the the Muslims believe that Ishmael was the son of Abraham and and um on that line down and they're part of that line. And then the Jews believe that they're part of Isaac's line and they're still at war. Ishmael means man Mm -hmm. of war. I mean, so that there was definitely consequences for their sins and they also repented of those sins. So Mm -hmm. yeah, you're right. They, the the heroes of our faith, you know, the biblical heroes did screw up and they suffered the consequences for their sins they repented, and God restored them. Well, mm-hmm. you could even look at David and be like, man, he's such a hero. He took down Goliath. 
and he didn't kill Saul when he didn't when he had opportunities. He had all these things, and you're like, "Go, David!" And then there's the girl in the pool. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm gonna go hang out with her. I'm gonna go get. I'm gonna go get her husband killed, and do all these yeah. awful things. But God still loved him. That didn't change anything. Just meant he was human, and I don't think that gives me a free pass now. Like, hey, there's there's a a hottie over there, and I'm gonna go kill her, her husband. Well, I'm gonna take her on right. too. <laughs> and David, and David suffered the consequence of that because God said, okay. You know, this child that you have with Bathsheba is going to die. You know, he suffered the the loss of a child because of his sin. It's not, you know, it's not saying that there's not, you know, the Bible doesn't say there's not consequences for your sin. God still uses us in our, our, because we're, you know, we're just, we're faulty people. Yeah. And God still uses us. um, But he doesn't. His desire is not for us to, to just continue in our our broke, you know, continue in our our sinning, continue in our brokenness. Yes, he's going to use us in our brokenness, but he wants us still one day to be whole with him, and that's why Christ was raised from the dead, is so we could be whole with God again, where there will be no sin, there will be no tears, there will be, you know. There will be rejoicing. Because if this was heaven, there would be no tears. Right. No pain. That kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so it makes zero sense. Because that was even... That takes me down that rabbit trail of that of like, hey man, if, if there's... Why is there pain? And then when you get asked back, what is pain? Bro, if I punch you in the face, you know what pain is. Like there's no, there's no question or doubt in my mind what pain is if if somebody decked you in the face as hard as they could, you'd be like, that hurt. Well, and then and my question is, then what what is the point? If this is all there is, then you know, and and then then why? What is the purpose of your ministry other than to pull people away from the true gospel? That that's the only purpose that I see that you have is to pull people away from the true gospel because you're not, there's no hope. There's just no, there's no hope. There's no redemption. It's like watching a bad movie and you you come to the end of it and it was just, you know, wow, that was just all crap. There's no redemptive qualities. Like I, I I watched a a movie about a serial killer that went to prison and, and, um, and she was, you know, she killed men and, and that, like was her thing and it was based on a true story and I was like wow that just I just lost an hour and a half or two hours of <laughs> my life there's no redemptive you know there's no redemptive quality of it other than she did get caught and she went to prison but there but she didn't she there wasn't any redemption there you know she didn't she, that was it you know yeah. that was that was then there was no and she, you know, turned her life around type of, of story at the end. It was just, that's it. She went to prison. And I, you right. know. I just don't, I don't, uh, I don't know. I just don't see a loving father, a loving God just, hey, this, <laughs> let's live in mediocrity and this is just what it is. And, and I, I, I don't know. In my head, I'm like, 
There's too many people that have too many facts <laughs> that their story did not change from when they've seen hell or heaven. And there's a lot of those that are out there that you can go back, ask them the same questions, get the same answers. Mm-hmm. So usually, if you're lying or there's some sort of deceit in it, you start getting faulty. There's like random things you miss or s- big big things that you miss that, oh, crap. You start talking in circles. Story. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I, I don't know. I guess I have a hard time just even thinking like, okay, well, is there anything about hell in the Bible? And then I looked it up, and it does, I don't know. Some versions say hell, but <laughs> the actual word, if you go back to the Greek, is like lake of fire or eternal damnation or whatever it is. And I'm like, it's there, so don't think it's not there because it's totally there because I it I think it I think we and talked about I, it's like fireproof or courageous maybe maybe it's courageous where they talk about um, what does a good judge do mm-hmm. uh, if somebody went and, and killed your family what would you want a good judge to do to hold them accountable and persecute them for what they did and it's the same thing with someone who's like I I don't I want nothing to do with Jesus I don't want anything to do with God I want to worship Let's even go to the extreme, the devil, that kind of thing. They are choosing to choose that route. And Jesus isn't, and God aren't going to be like, well, you know, I'm going to overstep you and take away your free will and choose this for you. Because they're making mm-hmm. their choice. And it's, is it an awful choice? Yeah, it's a horrible choice. Well, and they're, they're, it's like they're removing God from it. Like, yeah. Yeah, we're going to go with God created the world, Jesus went to the cross, and then he just he just stepped out. He just is is absent now. I mean, that's that's kind of what it seems like to me um hearing things about about it. And I, that God didn't just step out. Like he's still there. We could still go to him, you know, um and there's still we still need redemption. You know, we still need that. Like, yeah, we need it. We, we need a peace in that too. You know, the, the scripture that says, work out your, work out your, uh, salvation. salvation. With, yeah. With fear and trembling. Fear and trembling. Um, we need it. We need to work it out too. Right. And that everyone can fall. And that's the sobering thing is that no matter how high you get on the ladder, uh, if you lower your guard or think yourself more highly than you ought to think, you're opening yourself up for deception. Uh, we are in Christ. We are, we wear the armor of light as we stay in relationship and submission to God. However, if we do not wear a cloak of humility, we'll be blinded by our own brightness like Lucifer was. Yeah. And we look, we get caught off guard and we can cause a fall. And so this is what happened to this minister here. Is he's when I knew him, very anointed, very talented, could draw lots of people in. Not only did he have the charis of the grace of the anointing, but he also had charisma of his own personality. And there was a certain arrogance that was underlining there. I never thought it would be to the degree of causing him to fall, but you could kind of see it there. And he loved people. He still loves people. But 
Satan is using that mercy against him instead of, uh, like you said, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That's the awe and fear of God that I don't want to depart from him. You know, if I depart from God, there's darkness out from my fellowship with him, and I could fall into a ditch. I could get to false doctrine. So the fear of God is to stay close to him and to stay away from evil. And that is that is missing that sense of holiness, that sense of reverence, that sense of I need to stay close to him. Or again, First John two twenty seven, I need to abide in him. And yep. when we wear that cloak of humility, we we take on the character of Christ. Because think about it, he you know he's the highest, and he by his love and compassion and mercy stripped himself of that to come down to our level, but without sin so that he can be the bridge to God and bring us up to his level seated under him or in him, but under his authority. And so we are in Christ, but we're submitted to him, meaning we have to do what he says. We have to obey. And it's not like we're slaves because we are children. And so the heart of God is written upon us is I know what to do when I spend time with him. My, my, my elder brother, Jesus, I have the heart of God, the father because of him. And I, I know what to do as I spend time with him because a son knows what to do. A, a servant has to write things down that they, they, they need the law. Mm-hmm. And the issue is there's with the gospel revolution, there's no power. There's no deutimus. There's no, uh, Kyr- I think it was Kairos, not Kairos, that's time. There's no, uh, Kratos of the moving of that inward power. Yeah. And so why? Because it's not connected to God. And our relationship is moving, walking in the light as he is in the light. That's walking, that's movement, that's following, that's learning, that's, that's being progressive and, and putting diligence into learning of him. But work is what that means. Second Peter chapter 1 again, the first 10 verses is be diligent to add to your faith. So our humility, as we grow in the Lord and see who we are in Christ, is our protection from deception. And again, I need my brothers and sisters in Christ. And just because I'm a pastor, I don't just listen to other pastors. Oh, you know, you sheep can't teach me because I'm a pastor. I've learned a lot from sheep that have come and spoken a word to me. Mm-hmm. And it was it hit me right in the heart. And they were speaking right from the Lord. And it is like in the mouth of babes. Hey, I can take a babe. I can take a child, and they can give you a word. Don't think I can use someone, even a child, who is open to me. And that's, that's the way we need to be with God, and also that, that holy reverence and fear, because we are in a dark day. We are in a day with much deception. And we need to have the heart of God when we're dealing with these people that we're not passive. We're, oh, you know, I'll just pray for you. Just go your way. God bless you. Good luck. No, we don't say that. Second yeah. John chapter 1 talks about you do not fellowship with them you do not wish them godspeed if they do not continue in the doctrines of christ you don't know you keep your distance you love them but you don't you don't help them out you don't even wish them good luck and and so when we're coming against principalities that have crafted these deceptions we have to be aggressive in our prayer and our preaching yeah and this is i think god is calling to action more than ever his church, like, wake up. Hey, Satan's at the door. We're meant yeah. to come against the gates of hell. Wake up. 
And I, I believe God will have his way, but remember, God's always moving. It's man who stops the revival. It's man who stops uh, a move of God. God's always doing something. We just need to reconnect with him. Amen. Yeah. I, I lost my train of thought. But I, 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 I mean, I, I, uh, I, I can't remember. What okay. I was say. Sorry. <laughs> hey, Dan. I know it's getting late there, and uh, what we usually do on our podcast is uh, we appreciate you. We we appreciate you coming on and talking, and we definitely want to hear more from you. Uh, we could do it Thank maybe you. at an earlier time <laughs> for you, <laughs> yeah. but uh, but definitely uh, we loved having you on today. But what we do usually is let our guests pray us out of the podcast, um, and we will add to it if if you want us to pray for you for something, and then that's where we go. So, um, oh, it came back to me. Okay, no, <laughs> oh, sorry, it's just real quick. But the the scripture that says that we're not we're not at war with flesh and blood. We're not at war with the the gospel revolution people. We're at war with the with the devil. And, you know, and that, you know, we've got to remind ourselves that these are people that need saving too. They need salvation too. They're being deceived and deceiving others, but ultimately it's our enemy of our faith that is deceiving them and using them to deceive others. So I think we should also pray for them that they would have a revelation and turn back to Christ and back to the full gospel and knowledge of his truth. Um, that's, that's what I want to say. And it just completely blanked yeah. until, you know, we're talking about praying us out. And, um, oh, one more quick thing. It's my oldest son, Joshua's birthday. So I don't know that he'll listen to this, but if he does, if you do, Joshua, happy birthday. I love you, son. He just turned 22 today. Kind of, man, do I feel old. <laughs> <laughs> so <It's all> good <laughs> if you want dan go ahead yeah um uh, lord first off thank you for the fellowship that we have here and, and the ability to learn from one another as iron sharpens iron you told us in luke ten nineteen to take that you've given us authority over all the dunamis powers of darkness and we come against the powers of darkness that is using this gospel revolution and, and the wolf that has deceived many people and the wolves that are involved in this, we come against the power behind them in the name of Jesus and that their eyes would become open to the gospel of Jesus Christ for what it truly is. Well, I thank you that they see you, both the mercy and the justice, both the complete Godhead for what it is uh, that Lord that they get a true revelation that faith enters in so they can receive, that faith enters in so they can hear again. Lord, and for mercy's sake, in the name of Jesus, that their hearts will be able to receive the truth in Jesus' name, and that the power of the enemy is broken over them in Jesus' name. The lion yes. spirits are removed in the name of Jesus. Yes. And thank you, Father, for, for Dan, his ministry, his church, Father God. Thank you, God, for his family, and uh, you just put a blessing over them, a hedge of protection around them, the blood of Jesus upon them uh, as he goes through these 
these tough times as a church and and just seeking your face on what to do and how to do it and that with whatever spiritual battles he has upcoming and going that god we know you're great and you are the conqueror and the the almighty god of everything yes we thank you in jesus name amen, amen.